All right. Um, so just first up, uh, I wanted to, just as I've looked out, it's it's really interesting. I mean, for me, looking at you all on Zoom, it's quite different to speaking from up front because you, you feel like I'm much closer and I get a bit of an insight into some of your lives, particularly if you've got the camera on. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a wonderful family as a church. And, you know, we were all, you know, looking at money and stuff over the last few weeks and people were concerned. And so uh, then Pete uh, Nichols in the morning and Pete Gardner in the evening did a bit of an update from the wardens. And we talked a bit about money and I talked what, what I hope was was helpful, but nothing enormously profound, uh, you know, a little, little chat about stewardship and money and you know, and then and then we got this anonymous donor saying, "Hey, we'll we'll kick in money to match giving over the next month up to thirty thousand, which is incredibly generous." And then within half an hour of that, someone emailed me and said, "Okay, well, I'll tip in ten thousand just to get things moving." Um, and so the response has been wonderful, and and I wanted to thank you for that. But more than I mean, more than thank the large donors, and there, and there are those of us that God has blessed with the capacity to create wealth and to be generous with it. Um, I just think the heart of, of our church is, a, in a, is, a, is wonderful. Um, it's never about how much we give. It's about the heart with which we give. And, and I've just sensed um, over this last little while, wonderful hearts. I just wanted to thank you. And um, I don't know, I don't know what that's worth, but honor you and thank you and bless you. And, and I've had a a great sense all along that, and I always have, that uh, God will always give us the resources we need to do the work that he wants us to do. Uh, it's really very simple um, in, in every form, whether they're money or people or whatever it is God wants us to do, he'll give us what we need. So there we go. That said, all of that said, uh, I thought this this morning we'd keep on thinking and uh, about this. And I wanted us to think about... Uh, a frame, just remind us and frame for ourselves the um, the idea of stewardship more generally, and um, and here's the question, and this is what we're going to think about this morning: Are you a bucket or a pipe? Are you a bucket or a pipe? Now, of course, you know what does that mean? Um, and it's 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 pretty simple, really. You know, it's very easy to approach life at the core of our being with a sense that I'm a bucket. I have a, I have a whole set of needs that need meeting, and they're legitimate for sure, and I, and I need to get these needs met. Um, and the goal in life is to get as much as I can for myself and to, to be rich towards myself, to um, store up whatever I can, to have an abundance. Uh, and that's one way to live, and I think with varying degrees, we, we can live that. Now, of course, buckets, it doesn't, the metaphor breaks down because we don't just accumulate for ourselves. So maybe maybe sometimes we can think, oh, we, we put a little hole in the bottom of the bucket and a bit of what we get leaks out to those we care about. You know, maybe there's a, there's a hole in the bottom of our bucket that leaks out into our family and a, another hole that leaks out and, you know, a little bit leaks out, maybe a lot leaks out to work, maybe some leaks out to our community and, so on. But essentially, we're trying to fill our bucket. And um, the goal of life is to have the bigger bucket. Uh, and, um, and then to be very thoughtful about the size of the holes that you allow to be drilled in your bucket to fill other people's buckets. 
And when we do that, of course, we judge everybody by their capacity to fill our bucket, don't we? We, we have this inevitable, inevitable tendency to say, what can I do? Uh, you know, who do I relate to? What work do I do? What, what do I, I, I'm always thinking in terms of what is in it for me? And, and you know, at one level, that's entirely human. God has made us with needs and um, he understands that. But the other metaphor um, is the metaphor of being a pipe. And uh, it's, it's less, maybe less flattering. But uh, this came to me many years ago. Uh, when I was leaving medical school and I had a really strong sense, um, I've told the story before, so apologies if you've heard it before, but it's, it's pretty meaningful to me. Um, so I'll tell it again. Um, I, I had the strong sense from God that he was saying, you know, go into ministry, study theology, um, become a physician of the soul. So I was leaving medical school and there was a guy who'd become a follower of Jesus in our church. In fact, he'd come to church to visit just as an adult he was a prof professor of engineering at the University of Cape Town. And he showed up at church one evening service that I was leading. And um, we weren't a very outsider friendly church. We just, well, I guess we were. I just said to everyone in the evening service, turn around and pray with the people around you. So no, no sensitivity to visitors who might be there. It's just get into groups and pray. And so as this agnostic but thoughtful man, George got in a little group and he thought, well, I've been asked to pray, so I might as well. So George prayed and he said, uh, God, if you're there, will you reveal yourself to me? Um, and of course, God loves to answer those kinds of prayers. So within, a, within about six months, George is a, you know, he's found God. He's a Christian. His family is transformed. Uh, then he and I, he joins a small group that I was in and, and we get chatting and, uh, and he finds out that I'm looking to study in Australia. And this was a time in Australia, when in South Africa, when there were, it was very hard to get money out of the country, foreign currency restrictions, really difficult. I had no money. I was on a scholarship at medical school. My Jewish family were not that keen on the idea of me, um, you know, it's very hard to boast about, you know, my son, the missionary versus my son, the doctor. So, so there was, they, they were very concerned. So I, I had no money and I thought, okay, Lord, if I want to go to Australia, I'm going to, you're going to have to provide. And George came to me and he said, you know, we've got money in Australia. He'd done some consulting work here for Sydney Water because he's, he's a world leader in wastewater treatment. And so he came to me and he said, Mark, basically, since I've become a follower of Jesus, how I see myself is, and he said, it's quite ironic because this is the work I do. He says, I just see myself as a giant pipe to take resources that I have gained through my professional life and whatever I can. And I just want to be the biggest possible pipe I can to pipe those resources into other people's lives and into our world to, to bring God and bring the kingdom of God through me to other people's lives. So I'm just a big pipe. And I, that struck me so massively because, and, and it was ironic because he spends his whole life professionally working with sewerage and sludge and wastewater and pipes. But I thought, you know, the, the reason I'm here today and we are here really as a community doing this in this particular form is because 30 years ago, George saw himself as a pipe and he was obedient to that, right? Um, and uh, I caught up with him for breakfast a couple of years back when I was back in Cape Town. And it was an extraordinary time to just reflect on how that small act of obedience has had this ripple effect in my life and in so many other people's lives. It's amazing. It's just who would have thought? 
And as I said last week, the truth of the matter is um, George and his family are poorer financially as a result of the money they gave to me, right? Just the way it is. Now, they're not that poor. We don't have to take a special collection for them right now. Um, but, but they just were delighted. And, it's, and for George then to catch up 30 years later and reflect on how God had used that, that effort and that obedience was profound. So what does all that mean? Are you a bucket or a pipe? Well, it's a, it's a decision that will shape the whole way you and I think about our lives. Um, and, and I think one of the things that's great about our church, as I know you all pretty well, is most of us, most of the time, spend, uh, you know, we do work hard to be more of a pipe and less of a bucket. And, um, and we want that to be true, not just for ourselves, but not just individually or for our families, but actually as a church as well. So we as a church are a community that is, we receive blessing from God and we want to give it. Uh, if you look on the screen, I think you can see the little mind map I've done. This verse here, um, 2 Corinthians 1 has been one that has been foundational in my life and shapes everything, I think, um, and how I see the world. And this is what the Apostle Paul says, the start of 2 Corinthians, when he's had a very, very, very difficult time, lots of suffering and hardship. And he writes to the Corinthians and he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of compassion and the God of all comfort. And then look at verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't, isn't that extraordinary, right? That's we, God, God comforts us. God works in our lives. God changes us. God blesses us in a whole range of different scenarios and situations so that we can then be a pipe, an agent of that blessing that it flows through us to others. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of things I love about this, one of which is um, because our troubles are unique to us, so each of us has our own set of troubles, and so each of us discovers God blesses us and works in our lives in slightly different ways, this means that each of us are actually wired up to be a blessing to different people. You know, so the folk who I can comfort are going to be different to the people that you can comfort because the people you can comfort are, are going to be shaped by the comfort you yourself have received. And that's different to the comfort I've received. I mean, I, you know, very simply, I, I'm in a place, uh, you know, where I can, I can bring comfort to, to secular Jewish people who, you know, they have a strong Jewish identity, but they don't really know much about Jesus. They're very skeptical. And, and I've, so that's my journey and the comfort I've received. And so I can be a blessing to those people. And, and you can, given where your life has been and the comfort you've received. So that's, that's significant. Now, how do you do that? Well, what does that look like? How do we become generous? How do we be a pipe? Well, the first thing that's clear, right, in scripture is that it all starts with actually giving ourselves to God, that, that it has to start with us, that, that before I give myself to anyone else or I give money away or time or talent, I have to de deal with my heart, right? And so here it is um, that, ah, where's it gone? Come back. Come back. You've got to give yourself to, uh, I'll put that over there, to God. and and um, 
This is what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1. I, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, so you give yourself to God first. And then he says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. So when we commit our lives to being a, a pipe, to being, an, to being agents of blessing into the world, the first thing we've got to do is say, actually, I'm, I'm giving to God first. I'm, I'm dedicating my life to serving God. Now, sometimes you might say, well, hang on. And, and this is the criticism sometimes made of religious, religious people or Christian people. Well, if you you know, if you're just all focused on God, you're not actually going to do much good in the world. So, you know, it used to be said, you're, you know, there's a saying, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Um, that is, in fact, completely untrue. The history, the Bible and 2000 years of history shows that, that when we start with a radical dedication of the whole of our being to God, and we give ourselves to him, what happens inevitably is that we also give ourselves to others. They, they, they actually go together. Any authentic giving of ourselves, any giving of ourselves to God that does not also lead to giving ourselves to other people is not really a giving of ourselves to God. It's, it's just a religious ritual. Because if you really connect with God, you are inevitably going to be somebody who gives yourself to uh, one another. You're going to give your being, your life away, um, this is what Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 8. He, he's taking up a, a collection amongst very poor people to serve the work um, uh, and to support Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who are being persecuted. And he says, entirely on their own, talking about very, very poor Christians, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave, them first, gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then by the will of God to also to us. So you give yourself to God. And then you give yourself to others. And the two go together. And if they don't, as I said, if they're not going together, then, then you're not really giving yourself to God. And we see this, obviously, with Jesus. That's exactly how his life worked. Um, when you look at Jesus, this is, he gave himself. Uh, he gave himself to us. Um, let's just pick, there's a whole bunch of verses here. Ephesians 5, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the dynamic, how Jesus lived was he loved us and he gave himself. He didn't hold anything back. He gave himself for us. And the giving of himself to us was actually also a giving of himself to God. Um, the other way of putting it is you give yourself to God, you're going to give yourself to people. You give yourself to people, you're giving yourself to God. Um, and uh, they're connected. That's how Jesus lives. And what we find then is that this is, uh, it's actually the path to life, right? I love this verse from Jesus. Uh, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That... I mean, when we think about being a pipe, being a, being generous, not not holding on to stuff for ourselves, you got you, you. We have to confront the reality that giving away ourselves does feel like a little death. For example, 
you know, in your discussion groups, Justine was saying the comment is we we all appreciate dramatically people giving us their time, don't we? Why is that? Well, if I give you my time, I'm giving you something that that is utterly finite. I'm actually giving you my a bit of my life, aren't you? Aren't I? Like you are giving me your time now to the extent you are. And, you know, you're never going to get these 20 minutes back. Like this is 20 minutes of your life that's gone and you're spending it listening to me. You're giving it to me. You're giving away 20 minutes of your life uh, and you're giving it to God because, you know, hopefully this is what this is all about. And so you're, you're a little, there's less of you, there's less of life for you to live because of what you're doing now. It's the same when you spend time with someone who's in need, you know, you, you, give, you give away your life. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. That's, there's this dynamic that says, um, if you try and hold on to your life, if you try and be a, be a bucket, not a pipe, you'll lose everything. But if you give your life away, if you live for Jesus and the service of others, you know what? You'll find life. You'll find the fullness of life forever. Uh, there is a caveat, though, isn't there? Um, and the caveat is this. If Christianity is, or let me put it another way, this, this only works if Christianity is true. Isn't that right? Like, uh, and, and the Bible knows that. There's a, there's a gamble here. There's a risk, right? You are, you, you are um, you're taking a risk that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's got it right, that this is the way the world works. And Paul, the apostle Paul knows, he says, if the resurrection didn't happen, we are to be pitied more than all people. Like it's actually pitiable to give your life away for Jesus is a, is a pitiable thing unless it's true. And if it's true, it's a wonderful thing. So there's a gamble. You gotta, you gotta face that. You gotta say, maybe, maybe one of the reasons I struggle to be generous and to give my life away is because I wanna hedge my bets. I wanna, I don't wanna go all in on Jesus. I wanna have one foot in the living a great life as a bucket, but I also wanna have one foot in living a great life as a pipe. Yeah, it's, it's, I suspect that's what a lot of us wanna do. Uh, it's not a very comfortable place to, uh, to spread yourself like that. So then what does that mean practically? Well, there's three things we should be generous with, our treasure, our talents, and our time. Our treasures, we had that story that Jesus told from Matthew 25. What an encouraging reading, right? <laughs> uh, what an affirmation for all the bankers out there. Um, at the very least, if you can't do anything else useful with your money, give it to the bankers. Um, there's, there's, there's way more useful things to do with our treasures than just earn a return for ourselves. Because that's the fear, right? That was the, that was the heart of the problem with this guy. He was terrified of God. He was terrified that God wouldn't be there with him. And, um, and so he just hung onto it out of fear. And the others invested their talents to be pipes, to be a blessing for others. So, um, gosh, the Bible's full of uh, what we should do with our money. Here's some things in case you've never thought of it. If you've ever wondered what you should do with your treasure, you need to be a pipe to the poor. Release your money to serve the poor. Um, 
Proverbs 28, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. There's many verses like that. Aren't they encouraging? This is just like, you know, maybe I should put this on the screen out on the, uh, the door on, the, on Darling Street. So, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I was listening to, I was speaking to an Indian, I was in, in India years ago um, running workshops for preachers. And I spoke to this guy who'd been, come from a, a wealthy family in Bangalore and a Hindu and he'd become a follower of Jesus uh, in his 30s. And he said to me, um, he never really saw poor people until he became a follower of Jesus. Like if you've ever lived, I, I think there's this incredible human capacity to, to not see poverty, to not see people in need. Um, and, and the problem with becoming a Christian, if you take Jesus seriously, is he will open your eyes to the poor. And that's hard. He'll open your eyes to need in the world. Um, and that's just like, so then you go, well, what do I do with that? Well, we together, following followers of Jesus for 2,000 years, we commit ourselves to trying to work and be a pipe to bring kingdom blessings to the poor. Now we can talk, and we will, over the years, we can think a lot about what is who are the poor? What shape does poverty take? What needs can we give to them? Lots of challenges there. James 1, our religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Um, uh, moral purity, conservative Christian, Christian sexual ethics and morality go hand in hand with a radical commitment to care for the poor. Uh, and one of the great tragedies of the church in, in the last hundred years is they've split those two things. And you've had one bunch of Christians who go, well, we're, we're the moral majority and we're all about, you know, faithfulness in marriage and not swearing and not drinking and, you know, but we don't care about the poor. And then you've had another group of the church, you've gone, well, we, we care about social justice, but, but all this kind of personal sexual ethics and all this conservative Christianity, that's not that important. And, and the Bible says, man, they are, they are, it's, you, you can't separate them. You can't claim to be a serious follower of Jesus without actually deeply caring for the poor and deeply caring about holiness and purity. So there we go. Um, uh, so what else do we do with our treasures? Will we support Christian ministers, missionaries, and teachers? And, uh, you know, full disclosure of conflict of interest. You guys support me. We, we, our family is fed at least in part by the money that you put in the plate. And um, that's, that's a weird thing that can create strange dynamics in churches. But actually the Bible is pretty clear. That's that you do that so that, I and others, other missionaries and pastors, don't have to, I don't have to spend 50, 60 hours a week earning money. I can spend, you know, 50, 60 hours a week just directly trying to grow the kingdom of God, serve, uh, build a church, teach the word, do all the things that I do, play squash. Uh, oh, sorry, hang on. Just looking at Dan there. Um, uh, 1 Timothy 5. Uh, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. 
for scripture says, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. So it's appropriate for us to pay folk who are in kind of vocational Christian work. Um, and that's a, that's a, a good thing to do um, and, uh, and a biblical thing to do. Um, why do we do that? Well, there's three things. We do it because we're obedient to God. We do it because we're grateful to God. And I'm looking at the time and we do it because we love others. And I want to, you know, sit with 1 John 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, this is a problem for me, by the way. I don't know if any of you know me. You all know me quite. I, you know the love languages thing? I mean, my love language is, uh, is words, right? So I love loving in words. <laughs> but actually, the Bible says we've got, to, we've got to actually translate the words into actions and truth. We've got to actually put stuff in place. And so we give our, our heart's motivation is love for others. Um, I'll dig back to the church thing. Like, why would you give to support someone like me or the church? Not because you love me, though I hope you do. But in one sense, we fund local church work because we love the people who will be blessed and transformed and healed and touched by the ministry of the local church. So um, that's why we do it. Like it's always about loving those who are at their receiving end of the blessing. So that's our motivation. And then what else are we supposed to be generous with? Our talents, whatever you have, um, use your gifts and your abilities for God. Um, one of the things that is interesting, though, sometimes the way this is taught is it's all about how we use our gifts to grow the church. Um, and, and while that's important, what God wants you to do is actually be a blessing in your workplace, in your community, in your home. It's all of life. So wherever you are, Use whatever God has given you, the comfort you've received, whatever resources you've received to see yourself as somebody through whom the kingdom of God comes to be a blessing. Um, now, that's comp like, what does that look like? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm figuring out what it looks like for me to be a pipe of God's blessing in Roselle, pastoring a church, doing the leadership stuff I do, counseling people, writing, reading, thinking, influencing. I, that's me. I'm trying to work out my calling and what God wants me to do. You've got to work out what God wants you to do in your workplace, in your sphere of influence. And the goal of the church, part of how we are to work together, is to be a community that equips and releases and encourages each of us to follow God's call and the leading of the spirit into our spheres of influence, whatever they are, wherever they are. So our, our calling is to be, as it were, like a, I don't know, a whole lot of little pipes going out into the city of Sydney and beyond to connect with people and bless them far beyond the reach of like just a Sunday. So use your talents, use whatever God has given you um, to be a blessing. Um, find out what they are, develop your talents. At that, that's professional as well as vocational. If God's, you know, invest in becoming the this is going to sound really corny but but actually it's entirely biblical and legitimate to invest in becoming the best possible version of you so that you can be the greatest blessing to others 
So that, you know, and I really like the, the holistic best version of you professionally, vocationally, pursue excellence, um, pursue psychological wholeness, emotional healing, relational competence, uh, intellectual development, spiritual development. Why just, just so that your bucket can be, be full of no, so that with all your talents, you can put these at the disposal of others to be a blessing to them. And then lastly, you know, give away your time. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, there's another whole, so it's 10.30, I'll finish here. Um, time's passing and you might think, I'll, I'll finish with this verse. This has become one of my favorite verses. You might think, hang on, a lot of my life has gone. Uh, maybe 30 years have already passed. Maybe you're in your mid-30s. You're nearly dead, right? Um, uh, maybe maybe you're approaching 50. Now, the beauty of lockdown is for the second year in a row, my uh, birthday has been canceled. So I'm not yet 50, which is exciting um, uh, because until I can celebrate it, you know, I'm, I'm, it doesn't happen. But we can look at our lives sometimes and we can think, oh, how do I, you know, maybe we feel like we've wasted time. Maybe I've talked with people who have been so damaged by their past that it's taken them decades of therapy and of work to feel like they can get to a point where they can actually be outward looking and be a blessing to others. And, uh, and I've talked to people who, you know, who most of their lives weren't followers of Jesus and then came to faith late in life. And it's easy to feel like, oh, I've wasted time. I've wasted life. Maybe we can feel like this lockdown is, a, you know, we've just lost the last year or two. Maybe in 2025, when we're having this conversation again, we'll feel like, you know, the pandemic has <laughs> cost us more than one year. And then the book of Joel, God says this to the people of Israel. He says, I will repay you or I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. There'd been plagues of locusts that had come and eaten the ground. And God's people have been full of despair and they'd gone wasted opportunities. I'm going to die. And God says, I'll restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. And I think, I think when it comes to giving, what that means when it comes to giving away our time, is that nothing is wasted in God's economy, nothing is lost in God's economy, and it's never too late to start trusting God afresh to make a difference in the world. And he will restore to you all those lost years in terms of fruitfulness. Don't, don't underestimate how God can use you in however much time you have left. Um, now, statistically, we all think we've got a lot of time left. Actually, existentially, we think that statistically it's, a, it's varying, right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting to live to 120 um, with the supplements that I'm taking and the, and the technology that's changing. And, and I'm assuming I'm going to be fit and healthy till I'm about 119. Um, that's my plan, right? Uh, Margo's thinking, oh, as long as I don't have to be married to you, to you until that time. So that's a bit much, right? Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But like I could be dead tomorrow, you know, um, like we just don't know. You, you, we, so you've got to, with our time, you've just, our time is in God's hands. How long we have, how short we have. Just make ourselves available. Do what we can. Don't let regret eat away. Don't let the past hold you captive because God can repay the years that the locusts have eaten. And then. Um, 
we need encouragement. So Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's what we're doing now. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what's one, I'm so, it's so lovely to be together and I hope this is encouraging, but we need to be, we, we weave together a thick community of deep relationships where we keep encouraging each other to live this way, to be a pipe, not a bucket, because the day is approaching, like life's coming to an end. God, Jesus will return, death will catch up with us. And so as we move towards that, we just need to keep encouraging each other. And it's like, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. You're not an idiot for being generous. You're not an idiot for loving the Jesus. You're not an idiot for, for serving the poor, for giving your money away, for serving a church. You're not an idiot for seeing yourself as a servant in your workplace. Um, like, come on. That's what church is about. Like, come on. I don't know. Encouraging each other. Keep at it. Lots of challenges. So I'm going to stop there and pray. And, uh, and then um, I guess we could take, if, you, if any of this, yeah, we could take a question or two. If you want to ask a question, raise your hand and, uh, and we can have a bit of a question and answer time. Lord God, I uh, thank you that you have given yourself to us wholeheartedly. And I pray that we as a church individually and together will be resolutely committed to being agents of your blessing, that we will comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. We'll give ourselves to you and to others. And uh, we'll find that, that the dynamics of the kingdom of God to be true, that as we give away our lives, we find our lives. And I just thank you so much for this church, for everyone who's on, on this, in this Zoom meeting. And I just know the heart that's here and and, and that this is nothing new or different or radical, but this is just an encouragement to keep on doing what we're already doing. And, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this kind of a family, Lord. Amen.